Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network present the Discover Your Mission series. Now I had been brought up without any prayer, without Bible, without church, nothing of that kind. And so when my father died, I became suicidally depressed. I, I had no desire to live. And yet, by the grace of God, uh, whenever I got to the point of actually taking my life, I always had this interior conviction that if I took my life, I would simply find it again on the other side and it would be permanent misery. But it wasn't until I became a wife and a mother and I began to try and pass my faith on to my children that I realized that everything I knew about Jesus was memorized doctrine. I was a good man, I was a good father, I was instilling the sacraments into my family. Uh, I was definitely not intentional, I was stuck broke in my faith. But what kind of strength did he have? Jackie did not just have a strength of body or baseball skill. He had a strength inside of his spirit, a courageous meekness that empowered him to play the game. And I tell him what is going on with me and he's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, no, no, no. I think this is like some sort of miracle, dude. And he's like, okay, you know, of course, but I'll believe it when I see it, honey. You've been trying to quit, and you've been saying this and saying that, and I'm, a, you know, he his big line to me is, you shouldn't say things <laughs> because I never follow through on them. And so this was week after week, month after month. He is looking at me like this is a miracle. There is no way that you, on your own, could have done this. We are called to sing. All of us are called to sing. All of us are called to express ourselves and join our voice into the unity of the church. Uh, often with my choirs, I, I ask them to listen to each other, to listen to the, the sound that they make together as one. That's what we're aiming for through the harmony or unison, we're aiming for a one sound. You need to decide. What are you gonna participate in? Are you gonna participate in the historic Christian idea of the altar of sacrifice, which is in the Eucharist or not? Welcome to the Sowing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Anne DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. I am Bill Snyder. It's great to be with you this evening on Patchwork Hard Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening live here 
on our Facebook or wherever you're listening to it, uh, YouTube, um, however you're joining us this evening, thank you so much for being here and tuning in to another episode of Sewing Hope. I can't believe we're up to episode 106. It's, um, it's crazy to say that, actually, that we've done 106 episodes of uh, this program, and uh, by my side for every one of them has been my uh, friend Ann DeSantis. Ann, how are you doing this evening? Oh, I'm great, Bill. Thank you so much. And yeah, it's exciting that we're in those triple digits. Yeah. And you know, we're going to be in those triple digits for a while, too. I really yeah. believe that. This <laughs> yeah. is not this is just the beginning of sowing hope. Oh, so <laughs> absolutely. And I know we have a great guest with us tonight, too. So why don't you tell us a little bit about her? Yes, we do. And she's a friend. I'm so grateful for her to be on this show. We have Leslie Wall. She is a Catholic author and has written so many wonderful books, especially for younger people, teens and uh, children, young adults. So thank you so much, Leslie, for being a guest on Sewing Hope. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's just such a joy to be on here. Yeah, we're grateful to you because you're doing amazing work. And I really do mean that. Um, you're one of those people that I was just very excited to host on the show because I love your writing and I love the collaborative work that you're doing so with some incredible authors, too. So, uh, you know, this is Sewing Hope, and uh, we always start out on this program with the faith journeys of those who are guests on the show. So we would love to hear more about you, your family, and how you got involved in ministry. Oh, sure. Um, well, I didn't uh, grow up in the Catholic Church. I was in the, grew up in the Mennonite Church, actually. And so I, once I met my husband and um, we got married, and then I converted uh, to Catholicism, and um, it has been just an amazing journey. Because it was interesting because when we first met, since we were different faiths, we had to really communicate and talk about what everything really meant to us, which I think really helped in ways. Because sometimes I think people who grow up in the same faith don't always have those deep conversations all the time. So that was a good thing. And um, we have uh, three children; they are grown now, but has always been important to us to um, share our faith with them. And that is partially how I ended up getting into writing as well. Yeah. And I know that you, now you were homeschooling for a little while too, weren't you? For part of it? Uh, no, they went to Catholic school. We were lucky. Catholic, Catholic school. Yeah. That's right. I knew that it was um, either Catholic school or homeschooling. So forgive me on that one. But um, but either way, you know, you were devoted to your kids and enough that you wanted to get involved with what you're doing now, which is writing to their audience. Mm -hmm. So tell us about that, because uh, you made a decision at some point, right, that you wanted to write to that audience. And how did that occur? How did that come about? Right. I always uh, was a creative ever since I was little and enjoyed, you know, doing creative things, but I never really thought about writing at all. Uh, it wasn't until my children were in elementary school and my oldest was about fifth grade and I uh, was searching for, he was a great reader, so he was always searching for books to read, you know, kind of a YA level, but I could not find ones that would be appropriate. Their messages and so forth just didn't really match up at all with um, our faith and our values we, we were trying to instill in them. Uh, so 
I was searching for more, um, not even faith-based, just clean fiction at the time. And while I was searching, the idea for my first novel just kind of popped into my head. And I always felt like God was calling me to write this story. And so I did. It took a number of years to get it uh, to be published. Uh, but I just feel like there's so much um, out there that is harmful to teens, especially, and kids, because they're trying to figure out who they are. And so I just kept wondering why there weren't more stories that could be fun and exciting and adventurous, but yet have good morals, too. So that's the kind of stories I write. And it was so exciting because I didn't really know there was a whole Catholic genre out there. But once I got published, I became connected with other authors. And that has just been so amazing to me. Yeah, you know, that's that that's such an important thing to, to recognize and an important void to kind of fill, right? You know, where you mentioned that you're kids, uh, you know, you, you you long for them to have the adventurous stories, the fun stories, but also ones that were uh, moral. And, you know, it, it's so hard in this culture that we live in today to to really find that, right? And of course, you know, as you mentioned, yeah, there's a, there, there's a Catholic niche market for it, but it still is so underrepresented for, for us today, right? And so, uh, so totally awesome that you are stepping into that void and saying, you know what, I'm going to uh, put this content out here because Lord knows that we as, you know, Catholics as, you know, growing, uh, you know, you know, especially with young children and things like that, that, that group of people needs to have solid, solid formation. Uh, and, and and it's good to do it through entertaining story. It doesn't always have to be, you know, let's open up the, you know, kids' catechism now and read. No, let's do it through some fun, engaging stories that we can really uh, unpack. And so thank you so much for the work you're doing because, um, because there's, number one, there's a need, and number two, uh, there's definitely an audience that wants it and desires it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I appreciate, I'm a mother, as you know. I have two daughters that are, 24 and 22 and I did homeschool my daughters and I agree with you completely that it was hard to find literature books for them to read that had the good message because our culture says that uh, a lot of things that we know as Catholics they what they say is good and fun and and hey it's just expected you're 16 you can kind of do what you want whether it's in the sexual realm or something to do with drugs or alcohol, you know, and we know as parents that that's not the message. That's not the right message. That's a poor message. And um, so as Catholics, you know, not only that, not only the, the, the issues of things that you quote, don't want your kids to do, there's the whole other issue of being virtuous and living as a Catholic that's really excited about their faith and wants to live it out, right? And wants to be proactive and not just reactive. And I think that's what you're trying to do. Yes, exactly. And uh, it's kind of sad because sometimes I think people, when they hear faith-based or Catholic fiction, they kind of think boring or preachy, (laughs) but there is so much out there that is not like that. They And I like to have characters that represent the kids I know, like my children and their friends, which 
they're good kids and they do go to church and they pray when they get into trouble, but they can still have, you know, these fun adventures or even, you know, innocent, sweet romances or whatever, because that's part of uh, what they experience too. But we can do it from a, a faith base, which is what they are surrounded by in their lives. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, you, you know, I think that's really a good point to make because, you know, certainly people can have a faith, right, and, and, and a faith life, you know, especially for laity. Like, you know, it, it is so good for teen, teens to be able to see that, you know, not everybody is a, you know, a lame, you know, person, right? Like they, like, like they can have the adventure, they can have the fun, and in addition to that, like, you know, just being, you know, being religious does not have to mean that, you know, you're going to be, you know, squirreled away in some, you know, seminary or some, you know, convent for the rest of your life. Like, like, you know, and, and being a teenager is important and, and having the, you know, ice cream cones and the, you know, fun in, in life, going to your proms, going to your uh, you know, fun events, homecomings, and like those things are important and um, representing, but, but also, you know, melding, you know, and not forgetting the faith. Um, but, but I think having a life and having a, and having a abundant life, the, the abundant life that Christ promises us um, is, is certainly not just about, you know, squirrel, you know, squirreling yourself away especially as a teen, you know, in, in, in a convent someplace. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense, Bill, what you just said, because it's a time of discovery. Yeah. And I mean, that's my experience watching two, two girls grow up as teenagers, Catholic teenagers that were trying to strive for some kind of virtue, but we're tempted. I mean, we're all tempted, right? When, when our friends say, Hey, we're doing this, that, or the other, and it might not be in line with your faith. I mean, that happened to my daughters, even though most of their friends were were great people who followed the faith. But um, you always have people even within faith circles, even in homeschooling circles. I, I found that myself that are not perfect kids that are, you know, uh, they are being tempted just as as all of us are at times. And um, so um I just think it's a wonderful thing. So tell us about like, when did you start and how was it? What was the experience like to write your first book? Um, well, so I it was about 2009 when I first got the idea for the first book. And it wasn't until uh, 2015 that it was published by Pauline Books and Media. So it took a, quite a number of years. I had this idea, but I hadn't written a book before. So it took a while working with a mentor and so forth getting it ready uh, for publication. Uh, so, and it was, uh, it was such an interesting experience, of course, and very exciting. But it's funny because when I first started writing it, I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell my husband or my kids because I just wasn't sure if it was going to be any good or anything. So I was kind of writing away in secret and so forth. <laughs> but it all turned out. And so now I have four published books um, short stories in three anthologies and uh, my fifth one book um, is that a it's getting looked at by, by a publisher right now so hopefully that will be out soon uh, but yeah I, 
really appreciate what you were saying about um, just the kids and the temptation. And I find with fiction, sometimes it's a really great way for them to see how other characters deal with it or ways that they could um, incorporate into their lives too. So, uh, and I've also had parents that will read the books with their children and can kind of bring up uh, topics in a different way instead of asking their kids directly about certain things, they can use the stories to get information or, um, you know, questions out. Yeah, a absolutely. I think, um, I, I think it's a great, you know, kind of way to, to, to work through it. And, and definitely if there's parents out there of, of teenagers, uh, or young adults, you know, that are out there, you know, they're reading these stories, you know, kind of say, read the book, do a little book study, right? Do like a little, you know, informal book study with your with your teen. Uh, that's a that's a great suggestion. Um, and I would I would love to know uh, just a little bit about because you do have uh, you know a wonderful set of books. By the way, for listeners that uh, want to go over to your website, it's very simply uh, lesliewall.com. Uh, L e s l e a w h uh, w a h l.com and we'll put that in the show note links for you uh, as well but uh, I would just I, I'd love to know just about the the writing like the, you know the writing process and and with teens today um, so connected to the technology and the phones it, are are you finding it you know with with people that are consuming this with, with young people that are consuming this that that they are you know grasping into this even in the di even in the digital age, like you know, we're you know, I I haven't met a teenager that's put a phone down yet, um, you know. So so that has to be a challenge. But I'd love to know just a little bit about you know how how that works with with your beautiful writings. You've got a wonderful lineup of books. Thanks. Yeah, that is a tricky part nowadays, isn't it? They yeah. are very connected to their um, phones, like we all are. But uh, the, the books are also, they are like on Kindle versions, so yeah. you can get them on their phones too, I guess. Uh, but I found that it seems like a lot of people still would like, still like to read and uh, still enjoy that. So that's a good thing. Um, and I'm part of a group um, of authors and we have our website called Catholic Teen Books. And there's some many different genres and so forth. Um, in that, and several of those are also audiobooks, which also make it easier for kids uh, to enjoy as well. But I think with schools, sometimes they still need book reports and so forth. So it's nice to be able to offer those kind of books for them. Yeah, and I and I did also check out that Catholic Teen Books website, uh, which is very simply CatholicTeenBooks.com. And that and that looks phenomenal as well. It's great to be a part of um, you know a collective of authors that are you know uh, sharing a similar goal. Yeah, that's one of my things I'm most proud of. Um, as one of the founding members, I was at a at a homeschooling conference actually in Kansas City a number of years ago, and I had invited another Catholic author who lived in Kansas and to join me, and we were just sharing about all kinds of books because part of my and a mission is to share books, not just my own. So we were telling about all these amazing books in different genres um, and for different age groups. And one of the mothers in the audience said, oh, this sounds great, but I wish there was one place that we could go to find all these books. 
<laughs> so after the conference, my friend Susan Peake and I started talking about it and we approached some other uh, authors that write for Catholic teen books. And we uh, just within the few weeks, we had a website up and now we have 14 members. And it's really great because we, we have mysteries, romance, dystopian, historical saint stories. And we even have three um, anthologies. Our third one's actually coming out really soon here. Uh, so that gives a great way to test different authors' styles and stuff as, as different authors have short stories in the anthology. So it's just been such an amazing um, thing to be able to work together and collaborate together. But also just, uh, I've met a few of them in person, but we're from all over the country. We actually even have an author in England. So all over the world, really. But they become friends and it's through their writing and through meeting them, my faith is really deepened. It's really interesting how God works. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, actually. So I, I if people are listening and their parents, and especially if they have kids that are sort of right before that teenage year, those teenage years, I think you, you would be the perfect, perfect person to get in touch with and to go to catholicteenbooks.com, correct? Mm-hmm. and check it out, all the wonderful books that are there. Now, I'm on Amazon right now. I'm looking at it, and I want to read off some of your books. If you go to Leslie Leslie Wall, it's spelled L-E-S-L-E-A-W-A-H-L, and some of her books are Extreme Blindside, Perfect Blindside, uh, Unlikely Witness, An Unexpected Role. Um, I mean, they're just a few. Christmas Angel, right? That's another mm-hmm. one that you did. So, I mean, you have to go check it out and check out Les- Leslie Wall and the great work that she is doing. So it must be a lot of fun to write these books too. What is the yeah. process like for you? Because you said you didn't tell anybody at first, you started to, to write. And then next thing you know, what, what was it like two years later that you said, hey, guess what, everybody? Yeah, yeah, I know. It was kind of a surprise. Um, but once I started getting some good feedback from some mentors and stuff, I thought, okay, I share this. But I write the kind of books that I always loved reading, which have pretty much all kinds of things. I love mysteries, but adventure, some romance, some humor, and then of course the faith. So they're all kind of mixed in together. And so the first book, as I mentioned, it just, the idea just kind of came to me. It's about a snowboarder here in Colorado, Olympic snowboarder. And he has to move to a small town and meets a girl there and they end up you know, solving this mystery, but also his faith really deepens because he's kind of a little full of himself from his fame. Uh, but the other books, I'll just get kind of a little idea and then I just start thinking about it and I actually just start writing. I don't plan it out usually and just see kind of where the story goes, where the characters lead me and so forth. So it's always a fun process um, to see what happens. It doesn't always quite end up the way I originally thought it would. So. Do you ever start to get favorite characters as you're developing them and as you're writing? Yeah, it is interesting how you just become attached to them. Although my kids have asked me that, like, which one is my favorite characters? But I'm like, they have different roles in my life. You know, I love different ones for different things. So I can't really choose one specific one, kind of what I'm working on at the moment, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
And what was it like for you? Because I guess there was a time for you when you read those books or when you handed those books over to your own kids. What was that experience like? Because I can't imagine uh, myself being a former homeschooling mother and spending so much time sitting on the sofa with my girls reading books, uh, what it would have been like to read a book that I created. I never had that experience, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of nerve wracking to see what they're um, what the, what they would think, but they've all enjoyed the books and um, it's been very supportive, which is neat. And they've actually all helped me a little bit. My daughter is an amazing editor, so she actually is uh, helps me a lot with that. And um, my oldest son, he was a marketing major in college, so I always ask him tidbits about things. And my youngest, he kind of, that has there's some. In my adventures, sometimes I have um, situations that I have to um, write about, and he's helped me with that. Back in the first book, I wrote the scene where the uh, main character, I'm not really giving anything away, but he has his hands tied behind his back, and he has to kind of reach in a pocket for his phone. And when I, the um, publisher was like, I don't think that's possible. And so I was telling my youngest son, he's like, well, let's try it out. So, you know, so we tried it out and sure enough, it worked. And so then it was able to be in the book. So, so he <laughs> helped me with the stunts, I guess. You could say. <laughs> yeah. And I love your book covers too. If you, if you could talk a little bit about that, they're exciting oh, yeah. looking. Yeah. Uh, they, well, I have three different publishers I've used actually. So all uh, line books and media did the perfect blind side. And then the the second book in the series, extreme blind side. And they did a great job. Uh, with the adding some excitement it's about snowboarders and stuff and so i wasn't sure um you know the, the sisters of pauline they're um sisters nuns and i thought i was like well they it'll make an engaging cover for teens i just wasn't sure but they did a fabulous job i thought and then the vinspire uh did my where you lead and that one that uh cover has gotten a lot of attention just such bright colors and they their graphic designer worked, just did a great job. I wish I had more of an eye for that. So I can't really take the credit for those. Yeah, I like them. And they're really like, you wouldn't look at them and say, oh, that's a Catholic book. Yeah. Because it looks exciting. It looks uh, adventurous. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that Catholic teens and, and just Catholics in general, we need to know that our faith and our life is exciting. It is adventurous. It is fun. Uh, prayer and prayer is fun. But, you know, sometimes we get this impression that it's kind of boring and depressing and everything like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's not. Yeah. And my books, um, they might be a little, uh, I don't know if you'd say Catholic light, I guess, but uh, they have prayers and so forth. But some of the books on our website, if people are really wanting to like about a saint or in depth, you know, those uh, might be more appropriate for them, but that's what's so neat. Everyone kind of is looking for a different uh, level of their faith or a different kind of uh, part that they're focusing on. And that's okay. We can embrace everybody. It's wonderful. And, and you know, the, the other thing I think that um, is nice about is about your collective is that you cover, you know, so many different areas of, of the, um, you know, all the different genres, as you just mentioned. But I, the other thing I like, you know, especially with, with you is that you're, 
you know, provoking the imagination. You know, books do that, right? Like I, like I think oftentimes in my own life about how important the imagination is. The, the imagination, like, in, and, we, and when we talk about it from a Catholic perspective with meditation and with, and with, you know, meditating on scripture passages and scripture stories, but also, you know, diving into a great, you know, fiction, you know, a Catholic fiction book um, to, to, to help young people, you know, provoke their imagination because so much of it is, you know, dictated to them. You know, I mean, I studied a lot of TV radio production in, in college and, um, you know, uh, and exactly what they what they do is, you know, we end up following along when we when we watch a TV show or a, or a movie is we we're following somebody else's imaginative, you know, uh, imagination on the screen, you know, and and books allow allow both things to happen, allow to follow somebody's imagination along, but also create that mental movie in your own brain. Right. And, and for teenagers and for young people to be able to create, you know, that and have that imagination along with the author as it's be, as that story is being told to walk through it and have that uh, mind's eye image is so very important. And so, um, so I just commend you for, for your stories and for your, and for your work because, you know, I think young people in, in particular really have to cultivate their imagination. Mm-hmm. That's very true. Yeah, I'm hoping that we can inspire people and everyone. That's why I love to share my story. Because, you know, I always felt creative, but I never knew where I was being led to. But everyone has those gifts and talents. In fact, that's the underlying theme of my first book. Because we all, God blessed us all with these amazing thoughts and gifts and ideas. And we just have to figure a way to share those with people. Yeah, I think it's wonderful that you're using your your talents, and um, it's fun for you, isn't it? I mean, it's it's got to be. And even though now your children are a little older, like how old is your youngest now? Is he in college or? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I thought that you and I were kind of like around. Our kids were around in the same age bracket. Um, Elaine, my older daughter's twenty four, and my youngest is uh, twenty two. So, um, yeah. And it, it's nice now to see that their generation uh, taking the reins of their faith, right? Yeah. Taking what they learn and saying, you know what, this is important to me. Mm-hmm. I do want to live this out. I don't want my faith to be something that I just do out of routine. Um, so isn't it exciting to see how our kids move forward in that way? It really is, because when they're little, you, you see, you know, things they're interested in, but you don't really know where they're going to, how they're going to grow up and, you know, what they're going to do. So it is just so wonderful to see when they become older and how their life is going and how, yeah, their faith is still important to them. It's just wonderful. And I think just keeping that faith around them all the time is, and part of your normal everyday life is kind of the key. Yeah, it really is. And, um, I'm in a situation now uh, where both of my daughters are living home with us. So uh, it's interesting to have four adults living in the house instead of, you know, it's still mom, dad, and the kids, but it's much different when, as you know, Leslie, when you have adults, right. When your children are adults and uh, you can share faith together and in a different way that you, than you did when they were kids and even teenagers. Yeah. And the conversations are so much deeper and so forth. 
Yeah. That's right. I wondered if somebody who might be listening, who's a parent of uh, either a teen or um, uh, an older child, say adolescent, and thinking, you know what, I hope that my kids go in that direction when they get to that age. Would you have any words of advice for them in addition to maybe suggesting for them to hand over one of your books or one of these other wonderful Catholic books to them? Oh, yeah, there is. Yeah, the website is a great place to just browse to see what people are really interested in. And a great place to start with our anthologies. Like I said, they you get a taste of lots of different authors and their styles. In fact, our newest one is coming out in March here about St. Patrick. And, and this actually would be great, not only for St. Patrick's Day, but for confirmation or just growing in the faith. Because it actually starts with St. Patrick. And then there's a relic that is passed on through each story and ends in a dystopian story. We were talking earlier about imagination. And when we decided to link our stories in this anthology, we kind of just each chose a genre or a, um, a time period we would write in. And then we knew we, what the relic would be. And then we just kind of didn't know what anyone was really going to write. So we just wrote our own little stories and hoped that they would linked together somehow. Um, so I kind of like that because then now the, the the readers can kind of wonder where this relic was between the stories and kind of come up with their own little things. So that one's a good one for, um, um, for families to read. But our website has a lot of great things for families. They not only list the books by genre, but they also have age appropriateness. They have um, themes. Uh, we even have um, uh, off, or, uh, parental guidelines and so forth. So it's really a great place to um, to delve into. And if you have like a reluctant reader, you can you know find some of the shorter stories. One of our authors writes about um, a dystopian world where dinosaurs are back ruling the world. So you know <laughs> that can be kind of an interesting <laughs> one. But amazingly, she has this strong faith message in it as well or people like historic fiction. So it's really key to find out, you know, uh, what your kids enjoy reading. There's a lot to choose from. Yeah, you know what? It sounds like so much fun. It almost makes me wish that I had kids that were still back in that age bracket, but um, it's never too late, right? I mean, these books are, what I'm saying is these books are appropriate even, I'm sure that you even have adult readers, don't you? Oh, I mean, yeah. people who like to read these books. Absolutely. Yeah, we have quite a few um, the readers Yeah, that are adults. I have several that are, you know, grandparent ages, but they're just fun stories. And yeah, my husband always teases me that he thinks I never grew up because I still enjoy YA books. But it's <laughs> just something about <laughs> that teen time, you know, um, the excitement in life and so forth that is enjoyable to write about. And it has been so much fun. Um, especially, like I said, get to collaborate with these authors that have become friends. And now that my kids are grown, this has really become like a full-time ministry. In fact, you can get my website through my name, but the other way is um, I call it a minute, mystery through ministry, or I'm sorry, ministry through mystery. And because that's, I do feel like it's kind of a ministry that I'm doing even though it's just so much fun and enjoyable. I'm just so thankful that God led me down this path 
to be able to do what I love doing. Yeah, that's so that's so cool. And, you know, the the ministry aspect of it is, um, it, it, you know, first of all, it's great to recognize that it is a ministry uh, because oftentimes I think we we think about our jobs as not necessarily ministry. Oh, okay, I'm writing, I'm doing this, I'm I'm doing that. But really, yeah, as as Catholics, especially you know during the Lenten season, uh, my my pastor last night uh, was was truly talking about that, or I, I heard it somewhere maybe um, th- this past weekend, just about um, having to bring our um, having to bring our 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 mission, our talents, our gifts, and give them to the service of God. You know, give them over to the service of God, and recognize that what we are doing when we do that creates a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful ministry that that touches hearts. And so, uh, I absolutely love that. Yeah, it's on. It's actually on uh, the cover. Of your book, or, or or close to it, on on your website, where it says a ministry through mystery, uh, and, and and I'm assuming it's it's just ministry through mystery dot com, right? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Awesome. Yeah. So, folks, I mean, there's so many different ways to get to Leslie and her amazing work. Um, so so please check this stuff out. You know, uh, during during the Lenten season, it's probably a great time to to, you know, maybe have your team pick up some of these stories and books. I mean, it's a great way to pray, right? It's a great way to learn, um, you know, some great moral teachings and some, uh, in a, in a fun and exciting way, you know, tell them to put the phone down and pick up, uh, you know, one of these books It, it, it might really touch their, touch their heart and soul. Yeah. And we've, you could even do, you know, maybe you have other friends who children could, could join and do a book club or something. You actually, offer some book packs for that. You know, we've tried to come up with as many ideas as we've had uh, to get families and teens to uh, be invested in these stories and enjoy them. It really is, they are surrounded by so much um, Hollywood stuff. Uh, As much as you want to try to keep them from it, it's just hard to get away from it. So it's wonderful to have a balance with some faith-based items. Absolutely. I have to say, uh, and I brought it up more than once during this podcast, that that I was a former homeschooling mother. Uh, I did that from pre-K all the way to grade 12 and was around a lot of homeschooling families. I think that this would be perfect for them. And so people are listening and you know homeschooling families, communities, people who get together for co-op. Leslie, um, have you had an opportunity? I'm sure you have, but to try to market these books to that uh, group of people, I'm sure. Yeah, and that's a really great place. And uh, done a few book talks, again, like I said, sharing about all kinds of different books with some homeschooling groups. That's been fun. I was supposed to do uh, two homeschooling conferences this past summer, but of course those (laughs) were canceled, so that was too bad. But we did do, participated in one online class. Uh, and some of we have study guides that are appropriate for some of the homeschooling um, groups, which is great, you know, because you need curriculum and so forth. And, you know, some like I said, some of our books work really well with curriculum because they are historic fiction, like Civil War, um, or, you know, even if you're just trying to 
have them have some fun time with books. Because I don't know how kids have so often, especially the teens, they have to read some of these classics in school and so forth. And I'm sure homeschooling does too. And I know with my kids, sometimes it made them so tired of reading. They didn't even want to pick up a fun book. And so they were tired of reading. And, and I was like, that's too bad because, you know, the fun books make them have this um, passion for reading too. And so I think that's kind of an important thing that sometimes schools you know, forget about. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Yeah. You're exactly right on that. You're exactly right on that. You know I mean? Yeah. It's important to read things like Catcher in the Rye and, you know, okay, you know, we read these stories and they're classics and they're, you know, so-called classics or whatever. But the reality is if we don't also have fun doing, you know, some of this and, and picking up the ones we do enjoy or that are enjoyable, that maybe are lighter and not so heavy that we have to delve into the academic meaning of, you know, what the cat, catcher in the rye is, which I, by the way, still have no idea um, <laughs> what that is. Uh, so if someone wants to go back into like my 11th grade and explain it to me, that's fine. Uh, but but the reality is, is that, um, you know, I, I I think some of these stories also contain much greater lessons than than that. Or the, you know, I mean, we can, you know, watch The Great Gatsby or read The Great Gatsby and stuff like that now. And it's just, it does it does it have the same, um, you know, power as reading something that is exciting, that is adventurous, um, but also has a more morality to it. You know, a lot of times, especially I went to public school uh, in, in high school. So I, I got a lot of different perspectives and a lot. Of, I mean, I, you know, and I love English. I enjoy writing and, and, and those things, too. But the but the perspective that we got was so broad that you couldn't really focus in on, OK, this is you know, what? I just want to read this today and I want to explain this to you versus, um, you know, having this having this, um, you know, focus on, okay, all of this is important, all these viewpoints, all these perspectives, yeah, it's a great way to be well-rounded, but, you know, I didn't gain much from it. I much rather would have had somebody hand me a book like yours and say, yeah, go read this, go enjoy it, and also, by the way, oh, you're going to learn something about the morality of it from from this, and that's and that's a beautiful thing, so it's so, so great to have you doing, have you do that. Yeah, I, I just want to say I agree, be, uh, if it's okay, um, to mention this, that uh, I was also public schooled. And uh, now in my mid-50s, you know, it was different back then, Leslie, you you know that. But I mean, um, part of the reason I decided to homeschool was for what Bill just said. I mean, just the, the whole regimen of like all the quote have to's, you know, and not feeling that flexibility with the learning and everything like that. That was definitely a part of it. So I just think it's so great that you're doing what you're doing because learning has to be fun too. I, I believe that. I really firmly believe that learning has to be somewhat fun. Now, is there going to be parts that you don't like and you're, do, you're learning things that are like kind of boring? Okay. I mean, yeah, I guess it happens, but, uh, but making it as fun as possible because guess what? That way you retain it. Mm-hmm. Isn't that true? I mean, don't yeah. you think there's something to be said about re- retention? Absolutely. And also um, relating to the characters or to the stories or to the lessons or you know whatever. Because, yeah, these classics, sometimes they, it's hard to relate to your life now about something that has been so far in the past. So 
So it just kind of makes a broader um, uh, field of knowledge, I guess I should say. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, now tell us, is there anything going on coming up in 2021 or beyond that you want our audience to, to know about? I mean, I already invited them and I definitely want them to go to catholicteenbooks.com and also just go to Amazon and look up Leslie Wall, L-E-S-L-E-A-W-A-H-L. Just look it up, look her up on, on Amazon and purchase well, one of her books on Kindle too. It's so great that it's on Kindle. Yeah, that's good. Thanks for spelling my name. It's a little cumbersome. Yeah, I love your name. <laughs> so, um, so, yes, well, the anthology I mentioned is coming out. And my little short story in the anthology is kind of fun. It's a um, it's set in the 1950s, which was my first little try at doing historic fiction. But the girl in the story, um, she had... To, she meets some gangsters, so it's kind of, you know, I always have to have some kind of adventure or mystery. But this character, she is actually in my newest book that hopefully will be coming out within the year. But in the new book, she's the grandmother. So it was kind of fun to make this whole backstory about her when she was a child. And I might have to do more with that because that was really kind of fun. Uh, but the one that uh, hopefully will be coming out in the year, within the year, I think it's called A Summer to Treasure. And that one's a little bit different. Most of my others have some kind of romance in it, but this one actually really um, focuses on sibling relationships. Mm. So they're on a summer journey, this family with the grandmother, and they have to uncover some treasure and so forth. So it's kind of lots of fun and excitement in that way. But the siblings have learned a lot about how important it is to have those lifetime friendships. So that was a really fun one to work on. Yeah, lifetime friendships are something that I think are a treasure for families and also to teach our kids the value of people, the value of relationships, the value of something that's going to be more of a treasure than the money that we make in the bank, mm -hmm. right? Those relationships are going to be worth more than anything that we can imagine. So I just thank you that you're writing about these wonderful things. Now, you also mentioned the romance. And, you know, of course, in our culture, in this, quote, hookup culture, unfortunately, that we have, especially for young people, it's not good. It's just not good. Uh, it's In fact, it's downright uh, uh, bad, I would say. So when you write about romance, what's that like for you? Because I know you're writing it in a virtuous way that you want to teach them that, you know what? Developing relationships is a good thing, but you don't want to cross those lines that are just not supposed to be crossed. Exactly. So my first three books, they were all about characters that were just getting to know each other. And so the relationship grew. And so they were all new. And so, But uh, when I did the Extreme Blind Side, which is the second one in my Blind Side series, this couple has already been dating for a while. And I thought it would be really important to, you know, have some kind of uh, conversation for them um, so that um, the readers could understand, you know, that you don't have to be like the rest of the culture, this hookup culture. So there's actually a scene in there where I mentioned the snowboarder is famous. So somebody approaches him and tries to give him, you know, um, something. 
And his girlfriend sees this and I wasn't sure if the sisters of Pauline would uh, be okay with this scene, but I, but they agreed with me and it brings up a wonderful conversation between the two characters about their relationship and where they want it to go and about chastity and how important that is. And so it really made for a wonderful um, conversation, which I think is so important for teens to see because they see, like you said, so much in the mainstream media and movies and books and whatnot, that it's just okay to hook up. But you know, it doesn't have to be that way. That is not what we're supposed to be doing. And so to have some role models and characters that they can see reacting in a different way, I think is extremely important. I love your positive spin, honestly. Um, you know, we live in a world right now, I think, where uh, we're, we're almost afraid to look at our phones and TV because everything is in the negative spin. But what you're doing and with the writing that you're doing is saying, you know what, uh, gifts that God has given us, the relationships and the vocations that are there for us to explore you know, because marriage these days for younger people is really an option. Uh, now, I know, of course, there's the option of vocation, you know, religious life or priesthood or, or uh, religious life. But um, but marriage isn't uh, as common as it was, Leslie, from when we you and I were younger. Right. I mean, I know that most of my friends when I was in my early 20s and, and mid 20s, a lot of them were considering getting married. Whereas in our culture right now, it's not happening. So it's so good that you're putting that positive spin on uh, romance and relationships and the, gr- the right direction to go in in that place, right? Mm-hmm. There is a right direction there. Yeah, I think the hookup culture is just so devastating to families and to, to people in general because they have um, so many... The expectations is really bad, but I have, um, they're not always on the Catholic team, but I also write uh, reviews of all kinds of faith-based books, um, Catholic and Christian books, and they're on my website, but I've read some that are really good because they also show that sometimes people have made mistakes and then they realize they let a relationship go too far or, you know, so things like that. And those books are great in a way too, because Sometimes mistakes happen or choices were made that were not good. And it's people need to know that it's okay. You can still turn it around and uh, still live a virtuous life. So I think fiction just does a wonderful job of providing those role models that Hollywood doesn't. Thank you for saying that. I think that needs to be said too. Um, because we are, we we have a God that gives us second chances, third chances, fourth chances, fifth. Chances. I mean, He's there, right? And and that's why we have the sacrament of confession. And so, if you're a parent and you're thinking, you know, my child has made some mistakes, whether it be in the romance realm or something to do with drugs or alcohol, whatever, um, there's always help. There's always forgiveness, right? And that's part of what the Catholic Church is all about, right? It's about an open door to say, you know what? Uh, We know that this is not a perfect world. Sin does exist. So get to confession and come back and get on that, get on that correct road, because uh, that's what it, that's really what it is all about. 
And that's why, like, your podcast is so wonderful, the hope in our hearts. We do have to have that hope because we do fall sometimes, but um, we can't get discouraged. And it's so nice when to hear that others um, have similar situations or have gone through things that you're going through or understand what you're going through. Because all those things help you move on and um, draw back into the faith. Yeah, it's never too late. You know, for, for people out there, you know, listening, if there's a teenager out there listening right now, uh, know that it's never too late and that, you know, what, what, when, no matter what you've done, it doesn't matter. There's, there's nothing in the world that God uh, cannot forgive. Nothing. There's nothing. So, uh, you know, our God is that good. And it's so great that you're, that you're delving into this abundant life and, and, and representing and talking about, you know, uh, teens from all walks of life in all different, you know, situations. And uh, the characters in your books are drawing on that. Like, it's just, that's awesome. And it's, it, it, it's so needed. It's so unique. Um, and so, you know, if you're, again, if you're a teenager out there listening to this, if you're a parent of a teenager that's, that's out there listening to this, you know, um, Look, look at these books. Look at this ministry. Um, again, I, I, I really liked how you mentioned uh, ministry through mystery. Uh, again, you know, taking what, taking what you have as your passion, your gift, and turning it into um, a beautiful ministry. So, man, this was just, this was so much fun. We have to have you back because there, you have so many wonderful stories, so many great things um, to, to share with this this audience of people and, uh, and and this world so thank you so much oh thanks so much it would be great to be back on sometime oh, yeah leslie i really love hosting you and i have to say thank you to you because leslie was also a part of the catholic dating conference with smartcatholics.com where i was hosting with the saint raymond anatis foundation where i'm the director and thank you to dominic de Sousa and chloe and all the great people with smart catholics and, you know, you were amazing because she was one of our live uh, hosts. And I just love working with you. And I really mean that. Um, so please do come back to Sewing Hope and come back to our other shows that we have on uh, Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network. God bless you, Leslie. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It's been such a joy. Yeah, this this has been fun. And folks, again, um, please go over uh, to Leslie's websites. Uh, definitely check out that uh, CatholicTeenBooks.com. I mean, that's a wonderful website uh, to to go to and check out. Uh, so that, you know, especially during the season of Lent, you know, if you're looking for something this season of Lent, especially for your teenager, uh, look at this, you know, and, and maybe, you know, order one of the books because uh, you can you can not only help Leslie and her beautiful ministry, but you can also help your child grow closer in their faith in kind of an in incognito way, um, you know, through this through fiction books uh, that are that are rooted in morals and rooted in um, you know beauty, truth, beauty, and goodness. So uh, you know, check check that stuff out, and then uh, also want you to uh, make sure that you uh, do head over to both of our websites as well, uh, patchworkheart.org and andysantis.com. As always, we post up show notes and all those things so that you can see and get to uh, any any stuff you might have missed during these uh, during our conversation. 
but also uh, know that we do have resources for you uh, during this Lent on uh, on Patchwork Heart Ministry. Uh, real quickly, we are uh, continuing to give 15% off to anybody uh, who goes over to our website uh, and looks under the Lenten resources category. Uh, we are we are more than happy. You know, all you have to do is enter Lent 21, and you'll get 15% off any of the stuff that's there. Uh, and know that we're going to continue to walk with you and be with you uh, throughout this Lent. And it's just getting started. This, uh, you know, this party's just getting started, folks. It lasts six weeks. So uh, know that we're going to be with you here uh, every step of the way. And uh, as always, Anne, thank you so much for, for all that you do. Oh, Bill, thank you. I, I love uh, being a co-host with you on Sewing Hope. And Leslie, thank you again. God bless. God bless you guys. Thanks. All right, folks. Well, that does it for uh, this week's episodes of Sewing Hope. But know that we'll be back with you next Tuesday with another wonderful guest for you. But until then, folks, keep beating to your Catholic heart and sewing hope into broken hearts. I'm Bill Snyder. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sewing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or andesantis2.